This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I am your captain for this mission, Captain Brandon Shamatella, and uh, this is going to be our second special episode that we're doing for you for the month of March. And next week, we've got our interview with Phyllis Strong coming out on the 31st, and then we'll be back to our normal every other week schedule. But uh, again, we've been doing so well with our numbers with Warp 5, we just wanted to give you guys something special to to have for the month of March because we really appreciate our listeners. We wanted to give you a couple episodes and joining me again on this little mission is Patrick. How's it going, Patrick? It's going good. How you been? Not too bad. I've been reading a lot of X-Files books. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have a friend that runs an X-Files podcast and I've been following along. His name is Tony Black and uh, his show is called The X-Cast and it's a lot of fun. So I've been following along with like watching the episodes as the podcast is going and he's been doing some novels and stuff and i'm reading short stories right now and uh some of the short stories are pretty good oh cool yeah i've been doing i've been doing the reverse i've been going backwards to sherlock sherlock you know i never really got into sherlock my wife loves it we watched the first two seasons and and i watched the first episode of season three and i'm just like i just don't care about this show (laughs) that's the one with cumberbatch right yeah i do that one but i'm also reading the the old books and uh i watch elementary as well the first one, so spoilers for the very first one, but I was watching it with my wife, and I don't, I haven't read anything Sherlock and whatnot, but like halfway through the episode, I turned to my wife and I'm like, it's the cab driver. <laughs> Marcy's like, how did you know that? I'm like, well, they were tracking the guy, and he was in the back of the car, the guy they thought they were tracking, so the only logical answer is it's the cab driver. Yes, very and true. <laughs> so you could so, have been Sherlock Holmes is what you're saying. Just for that one. I didn't, I, none you figured of the other it out ones, faster than he did, though. <laughs> so I didn't guess any of the other ones, all the other ones. And then I'm trying to guess the, all the other ones, and I'm wrong on all of them. I'm like, it was the butler. <laughs> With the candlestick With in the, the observatory. With the candlestick in the uh, kitchen. Yes. So. No. <laughs> all right. Um, so today uh, we were chit-chatting on Facebook, and we decided uh, let's talk about the aliens that appear in both Enterprise and other series. Yeah. 
because you you brought this up, and I thought it'd be a good way for us to talk a little bit about you know all that what could or could not as of the recording of this, we're recording this on the eighteenth. We still don't know exactly whether or not those were Klingons that we that leaked photo was, and you know all the fan uproar about it, and so we thought we would talk a little bit about the history of how Enterprise took aliens to a new level. This was your idea, and I thought it was a really good idea. So awesome, thanks. Uh, yeah, I think it could add something to the uh, conversation, especially with all the, especially with Klingons, how they tried to retro back to why Klingons look so different, and and then you have the Vulcans that act so different, and, and you have a couple others that you see here and there. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, who do you want to start out with? Um, I guess Vulcans would probably be the, the go-to, right? Yeah. So tell me, so how do you feel about the Vulcans in the other series, and then how they were portrayed in... Enterprise. I actually like it. I like the fact that we kind of see them before their purely logical days, before the Spock and Tuvoks of the world existed. You know, because at first you have um, T'Pol, who seems to be exactly the same, and then you find out later on that there's just a small sect of them that are that are really pushing towards this pure logic, not lying, not cheating, not stealing. Um, but the the rest of them are, are pretty underhanded. They're they're verging towards Romulans, not. Vulcans. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you know, the Vulcans were always an interesting one. I, I, when I first watched it in its initial run, I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here, and I don't really like what they're doing with the Vulcans because they're so different and everybody's so emotional as a Vulcan. And when you watch First Contact, you know, you get the impression that they're stoic at that time. You know, when that guy comes off the ship and he puts his hand up, he gives the Vulcan salute, and then Zephyrin Cochran just reaches out to him with the for the handshake and whatnot. They have the the image of what we think a Vulcan is, you know, stoic, no emotions or anything like this. But then we watch Broken Bow, and, you know, Ambassador Saval is all, like, raising his voice and getting upset. So it always felt weird to me, and then, you know, you watch the series and you get to that Vulcan arc in season four and you see what they've done. They bring in the Katra of Surak and it's always something to me that it feels like they never planned that out from the beginning, but it's something that they just kind of came across as they were developing their stories. And while I like the change, to me it always feels like it's so sudden because these Vulcans that we're seeing, it's only a hundred years before we see Spock in the original series. And if you go chronologically through time for an entire culture to go and to switch how they're behaving and to follow this role of Surak within 100 years, especially a race of aliens as long lived as the Vulcans just doesn't quite even still at this time doesn't quite feel right for me. What do you think about that? Yeah, I guess, I guess I never thought of it that way in like the, the hundred year switch, but in reality, did it have to be the whole culture that changed or does it just have to be the people at top that changed? Because we see there's like a, a subculture that's very stoic, um, and they're considered rebels, but they kind of, towards the end of season four, push the current Vulcans out of power. Okay, yeah, I guess I guess I always assumed that, what did they, here, I'm trying to remember now what they call it, the, uh, you know, the Vulcan, what's what's Saval? The Vul- He's just the ambassador, right, I guess? So I guess really the only Vulcans that we're seeing are these Vulcans with high power, Right, so maybe it is just the Vulcans in power, but to me, seeing the Vulcans in power represents the entire culture to me. But so I've never really thought of that. Maybe the majority of the population isn't that way. I never thought of it that way myself. Right, because I think 
It's funny because what, what made me think of it is I forget. It was another podcast on the network that was talking about, um, oh, it was, uh, I'll actually get this right this time and not give it to the wrong show, but it was actually um, Earl Grey that was talking about how uh, Picard brings up that it's a utopian society and no need for money, and then in every other series we see them with money. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so what does the average person in the Federation live like? And it's probably a lot different than the crews of the flagship Enterprise. And I would assume that that would be true of pretty much every culture, which, uh, again, the Vulcans are actually part of the Federation anyway, but we always kind of, whenever we say Federation, everyone kind of just assumes humans, and then all the other groups are just themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's how I rationalize it, as this group takes power from that group, which makes the culture seem more rational when we have all, all types in the middle. You know, yeah, you're probably right about that because that Surak movement that you see in season four seems like it's a pretty large movement, right? Yeah, I mean they have like a bay, hidden base, and um, they're being tracked by the heads. They're, yeah, they have a hidden base. They've got like secret underwater shark defense mechanisms and like invisible jets. Right. Oh, wait, no, that was James Bond. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> and a million dollars, and a million dollars. But they did, so. if you do remember, they they had at that point had banned the Vulcan mind meld. Mm-hmm. To only certain people, which a hundred years later is like, you know, his go-to move sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously th- things had changed in those hundred years, and um, I guess depending on where you are culturally, a hundred years could be there could be drastic changes. I mean, getting two computers took us thousands of years, and getting to flying spaceships took us another, you know, ten. See, but technology is different than I think social change. Like, I mean, to me. It almost like I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but it seems like racism and homophobia and intolerance is almost on a rise again. You know, like there's maybe it's my exposure to social media and what's going on, but it almost seems like it's people are becoming less tolerant the more you ask them to become tolerant, you know? And so it's hard. I think it's hard for societies to make those changes. So, yeah, so that's kind of why I thought that the 100 years, especially with a race as long-lived as the Vulcans, would not be plausible. Because, you know, human beings live, what, you know, 75 years, 70 years or something like that. And, you know, even in that lifetime, you know, we've had a lot of change technologically, but socially and societal, you know, we've had a lot of advancements for minorities and things like that, but the tolerance is still not there, you know? Yeah, no, I agree, but I think that actually goes more towards the who's in power argument Mm -hmm. because do you think that there was ever all that great a tolerance in the first place in some areas? For us, or are we talking about Right now, like in general. I, I I think that a lot of this, it's not necessarily that intolerance and racism is on a rise. It's just kind of always been there, and because of who... Maybe not necessarily the person that was running the country, but the groups that were running the country. You wouldn't really show it. And now people feel yeah. more empowered to just show who they really are. Maybe, yeah, and maybe it does have to do with the fact with the rise of social media and stuff. People, are, they have something to give themselves voice to. And so they're, they feel more able to speak out against the things that they, they don't like, right? And so there's all this intolerance that's coming out. I don't know. It's just... I, I, I like what you're saying in that maybe it was just the people in power, so that helps me actually with my headcanon in this 100-year gap. You know, maybe that these were the people, maybe they were that way. So we saw them all calm and logical, the leaders in 
first contact when they landed in Bozeman, Montana there. And then now we've got a different group of Vulcans in power who are like, you know, very kind of emotional and angry and not following the ways of Surak quite like they should be. Um, with and they were repressing things and so now we've got this alt vulcan movement right 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 <laughs> and now this alt vulcan movement you know when they release the uh the katra of surak um brings it back to a different people in power i like that i like that that's good thank you anything else you want to add on the vulcans here before we no i guess we that's really the, i mean they didn't really make them look different or anything like that so but one race that they did change over time is the Romulans. I mean, if you look at them in the original Star Trek series, they look regular Vulcans, basically, is what they look like, right? Um, they've got brown hair, normal hair, and stuff. And when you get to the next generation, they've basically all got black hair, except for Sela, And they've all got this ridges on their forehead. Right. Right? So they, the, the Romulans changed significantly, and their makeup changed quite a bit from the original series onward. And they kept that look in Enterprise. They kept that ridges. Like Admiral Valdor, you yes. know, the Romulan from season four, they kept that look for the Romulans with the black hair and stuff. Yes. Now, I, I can't remember. Did they ever... I don't think they ever went back and tried to fix why that was, right? No, they didn't. And that's what they should have done with the Klingons, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> we'll get to those guys. We'll get to those guys later. So, but yeah. So, what we're talking about in this episode, though, as well, is partly again because with the discussions inspired in part, I think, because of this discovery reveal of could these be Klingons? And there's a lot of people in uproar. But I mean, changing the way aliens look has been something that's been done since the beginning. Every show that's come out has had its pushback by the fans that this is not a real Star Trek for X, Y, or Z reason. But um, no. But <laughs> but. We kind of just like look at it, go, oh, they don't look right. I don't like that. Okay, it's fine now. Did they say that about Voyager? Because I know they said that about Next Generation. They're like, this isn't Trek because it's not Kirk. And then they went, when D Space Nine, this isn't Trek because it's on a station and not on a ship. Did they say that about Voyager? Uh, yes, because they said, at first it was, this is not Trek because it's a female captain. And then they got over oh, that goodness. pretty quickly. And it was, well, this isn't an Enterprise. So we just oh fell back onto the different show. Then we came up with Enterprise, which was literally named Enterprise, and they were like, "Well, this isn't Trek because it happens before Kirk." Okay. And this isn't just Trek. Discovery's not Trek because I don't know. Pick your reason. Yeah, well, fake Klingons and uh, uh, wasn't it uh, multiple crews over multiple? I'm so excited ships? about that. Yeah, but so am I, and I'm I'm worried. It's gonna be awesome. It, it, it could go great or it could go bad, but it's gonna go. It's gonna go that way in three episodes. Like you're gonna know quick. Well, we're already on the tangent of this, but what I'm looking forward to this is, you know, television is so good nowadays in the 13 episode format. You know, like there's such great tell. I love Star Trek, but honestly, some of these new shows that are out there are better because they the, the stories are so concise because they have to tell a certain amount. These these books almost like each season is like a book in a series now. And you know, each season builds upon the previous one you know and the show that really started that was the sopranos yeah we had a kind of an uh, a repeating format in d space nine but really the show that started it was the sopranos and it was a different type of storytelling but there's so much good television out there now i don't even really want to go to the movie theater anymore because there's so many good tv shows out there yeah and their quality is movie quality now 
Yeah. I mean, it used to be like, like going back to Enterprise, you know, your special effects in movies were great, and then you'd have Frackle Rock show up in an <laughs> Enterprise show. But now, what's going to show up in, D- in Discovery is going to be every bit as good as a blockbuster. I think so. You know, yeah. and, and that's crazy. And like you said, it's the 13 episodes, straight concise, which will allow Star Trek to do what it initially wanted to do and give a a real commentary on current events or recent current events and and do it very quickly and very concisely without the waste. Right. Yeah, man, good school. Okay, back to our original topic here, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we want to talk about next? You want to do the Andorians or the Tellarites? Yeah, let's do the Andorians because I like how there's Andorians. two different versions of them. Okay, i got to ask. What the heck was that green thing in Star Trek The Next Generation when Lal was trying to choose what she was? What do you think that was? I have no idea. It was weird. I don't know. It was like, it was the, the, the guy from the Lucky Charms. Yes, and we just had St. Patrick's Day, so it works. Yeah, it works. I think, though, in hindsight, they should have made that an Enar. Oh, that would have worked. Well, it would have worked better. Would have worked better. Like, you go to the Enars and they're just like fluorescent green. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, there's another race. I mean, look at Andorians, right? I mean, Andorians um, in the original series, I think it was always intended for the original series that the antenna were supposed to be the ears. Yes. Because you don't see ears on Andorians then, right? Correct. But in in um, Enterprise, it's not. They're like a, a sensory. They can like, sense feelings and things that are going, not feelings, but like, I don't know, electromagnetic, whatever. Like cat's whiskers or something. Yeah, and they, and they they did them great though. They had them moving, and they mm-hmm. weren't just like these stationary things that kind of just sat there and didn't move and looked odd. And, and again, that's I mean that's technology back back in you know the original series. People were just like, "Ooh, he has antennas. That's awesome." But then by then, if they, they put the same thing out, we would be like, "Come on," you know. But and it, I do like, and then they had the the. They added in a whole just pure white race of them, right? Am I remembering? Yeah, this the wrong? Enar. Those are the Enar. You know and. Um. Yeah, and that, and then we were just supposed to. We just bought it. We we're like, oh, it's colder there. That's cool. Right, and that's why they're blue, and everything about them is blue. Yeah, but, like it, it's a good change, right? It's it's a it's a way to modernize how the aliens are going to look. I mean, I don't want my aliens to look like they looked in the sixties. Correct. You know, I I I'm expecting technology to change, like, and I'm expecting advancements in uh, in makeup. To make them look different. Like, look at Worf. Worf didn't look the same at the end of his D Space Nine run as he did in season one of The Next Generation. Like, his makeup was changing every season. His forehead ridges are not the same every time you see him. Right, right. Yeah, and he, and he but quite honestly, he looks better at the end. I mean, look at his, his sash in the first season of Next Generation. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Didn't look very Klingon. Well, it- the sash in the first season, though, is the same sh- sash that Kor had. In the original series, like that gold, yes. almost like a potato sack that's dyed gold and then like sliced. It's that same sound. Yeah, but I, I, I much prefer the one they give him after that where it's, it looks like a warrior's, or what I would think of a, a, a futuristic race's warrior's The metal, sash, yeah. You know, like, and um, uh, another tangent, it's very odd that they let him wear that all the time, but they tell a Maquis to take off the, you know, a Bajoran to earring, take off the earrings. Row. But, yeah, that's just because Riker's a, not a very nice person. No, and he, but, he's a jerk. <laughs> but what I liked best about Worf's sash later on was when he went into the house of uh, uh, Martok, 
right? And he took that house emblem off and slid that other one on. Like, you just think it's a part of the the sash, but they, he's actually given a different piece to put on right. there to show what house he's a part yeah, of. Yeah. I really thought that was cool. Kind of like a Boy Scout badge. Right. But you just, you can't have both. You got to just take one Right. Off. You're either, you're here or there. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're, we're, We'll keep saving the Klingons. We'll save Worf and stuff because we want to get to the Klingons at the end here. But, you know, the the aliens have changed all the time. And I think that the Andorians look great in Enterprise. And I can only hope that the rest of the aliens that we see look as good as they do in Enterprise, you know? Like the next race to talk about is the Tellrites. Tellrites look fantastic in Enterprise. A lot of people are upset that they had fingers instead of hooves. But I don't, I don't know. I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me. I didn't, you know what? I never even thought of it until you just said it. I never really noticed the to the hooves in the original series myself, but I just noticed how bad the makeup looks in the original series. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, well, you know, it's got to be hard for Star Trek to keep up because you you have the people who are like purist and it upsets them if everything's not exact. Mm. But I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to look exact. Like you said, they look terrible in the original series. They look phenomenal in Enterprise. I don't want them to go backwards and and make a, a I don't want them to leave the race out. Right. That's the only way to do it. You'd have to leave the race out completely. I don't want right. them to do that. I don't want them to look like they're from the 60s. Like, come on. This is terrible. You'd be so upset then. So you can't really make everyone happy. So I'm glad they're making me happy. <laughs> I'm glad they're making me happy too. But yeah, like the Tellarites, the, the way that they changed them. Because like, what I didn't like about the Tellarites is that, you know, their skin was so smooth and like their eyes... Their eyes looked funny in the original series, you know, because you really couldn't kind of see them. They just looked weird, and it bothered me. And the the giant porcine nose that they had was just, it was a little over the top that they were this piggish race, right? Yeah, right. They were just literally, like, the makeup was like pigs. It's like the, the cowardly lion in, in Wizard of Oz, <laughs> right? You know, it's just like fake makeup to make them look like a lion, but you can see it's a person. And, and what the way that they changed it for Enterprise is just outstanding. They're wrinkly, and they got this weird, greasy, long hair, and they kind of they, they look like Tellarites, but they look different. They look modernized. Yeah, yeah. They just, they just Overall, it's just a better product. I mean, yeah. it's just more believable. It's more realistic looking. They didn't, you know, like you said, there's something wrong with, wrong with their eye. They didn't look real. They, they didn't like that. Those particular... Uh, evolutionary traits would have lasted it just wouldn't how do you fly a starship with hooves you know how do you, you you can't really see how how are you doing all these things right you know and then uh and i think the look in enterprise fit their temperament better than it did in the original it just they seemed like they'd want to argue with you all the time they just want to be a problem Yes. That's the personality trait that I really liked about the Andorians, too, is that they're like an argumentative species. And I like that scene when Hoshi's trying to, when he's like yelling at Hoshi. <laughs> I can't remember all the stuff that he says, but when he's just like, you know, he's insulting her and she's like, good, good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were great. I love, my favorite scene with them is actually or an early on scene. Um, well, too, an early on scene when they, when they find that the uh, Vulcans have that secret base for spying on them. And he was just arguing. He was really just arguing with uh, Archer at first to argue with him. And then he found out, oh no, we're, we're right. You know, they're really there. Um, and then I like when he comes. Well, that was Andorians. That was not Tellarites. That was Andorians. no, no. I'm saying Andorians. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know why I went back to Andorians though. Because they're awesome. They are. I really. He's my favorite. He's played everything, but he's my favorite actor. Um, uh, 
Jeffrey Coombs? Yes. Yeah, he's played so many roles. And, I, and then the Andorian one from Enterprise is my favorite of them. You know, on my last rewatch when we did the From There to Here, I really, really developed an appreciation for Brunt. The no, he's a great character. Yes. Um, I just... I. Th- but I don't, I don't dislike any of his characters. I mean, I wanted to strangle some of them, but I didn't dislike them as characters. He played everything so well, and it, I didn't really, I guess because I watched a lot of this stuff when I was younger, I didn't notice it was all the same guy. Right. You know, and then I rewatched, I'm like, wait, wait, That's him. wait, he keeps being the jerk. And there's an episode in season seven of DS9 when he's Brunt and Wei Yoon. Yes. In the same episode. Which is awesome. And Wei Yun's another one of his characters that are great. That scene when Worf like snaps Wei Yun's neck and just kills him. It's like, <laughs> but I love I, that. One of his best parts about him being Wei Yun was, and we keep going way off topic, but one of the <laughs> things that's, that's great about him being, there's so many different Wei Yuns, you know, because they just keep pumping a new one of him out, that they each had kind of a different personality quirk. Mm-hmm. And then you had the one that like flipped to the other side and then killed Such himself. Such a great episode. And, yeah, it really was. And then you're like, when he kills himself, you're like, man, that's the one I wanted to live. I'm stuck with this other one. These douche ones. <laughs> well, let's get to the race that we want to talk about here, and that's the Klingons. And, you know, I don't know. It just it frustrated me so much when you just see all these responses from people and how they're like, oh, this isn't Star Trek. I, I hate Star Trek, and I hate CBS, and I hate these people. And when this fails, like, I hate when I see that. Like, when this show fails, it's like, come on, why would you be wanting star trek to fail like give me a break why would you want that yeah i don't i don't understand it and i've seen it a lot and it, and it seems to be ramping up a little bit with some of these people but i i just feel you know like i said there's always been kickback to every single series that's come out and nobody wants new people to get involved mm-hmm. look at the hatred towards jj verse if you don't like it just don't watch it right i mean it's that it don't go to the movie theater and don't buy the DVD. As much as you don't like it or, you know, you as being anyone we're speaking right, right. to that doesn't like it, um, it brought my son, my wife, and, f- and a couple of my friends into Star Trek who are now going back and watching the old stuff that they didn't necessarily know about or, or like or care about. And now they're enjoying that. My wife did the whole rewatch with me mm-hmm. from Enterprise through. And she never would have done that if they didn't have... Um, the new Enterprise and the new crew with with uh, Zachary Quinto and um, Christopher Pine. Christopher Pine, yeah. Pine. She likes those actors. She didn't care about Kirk and Spock before she watched the movies. And now she goes back and watches them. Mm-hmm. Like, see, when I saw those Klingons, I mean, we didn't get a good look at them. And that's the other frustrating part, right? Is they almost kind of look like the Klingons that you saw in Into Darkness, right? I mean, those Klingons you saw in Into Darkness, they didn't have hair like Worf and them had. They just had the, uh, you know, the just the forehead ridges and these earrings and stuff all over their faces, right? These these piercings. Right, right. I mean, and I think something that's bothering people is, is the, the costumes didn't really look right. But... We've gone through this already. In, in, original, in the original series, they were just kind of mean-looking men. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get to the next generation, they're, they're, they're more stocky. They're, you know, they, they're, they're, they're really built, and they got these forehead ridges that are really impressive, and, and they don't look anything like Klingons. And at right. no point did I say to myself, those aren't Klingons. I mean, I guess some people did, yeah. but we all got past it real fast. Then we went back to Enterprise. They still looked like the next generation, uh, more or less. They looked like the next generation Klingons. 
And they gave us a, I know some people didn't like the excuse, but they gave us a plausible excuse that Kirk was just hanging out with ones that were part of a failed experiment that gave them all a disease and they died off. Yep. See, for me, it's, you know, Star Trek, there's so much discontinuity anyways. You know, it's frustrating that people expect an an explanation for every type of continuity error that there is. You know, when I just recently read the three-part series, the Legacy series that came out last summer, and it was honoring the 50th anniversary of the original series, and there was Klingons in it. And, you know, they're talking about honor and batleths and Kaless and all this stuff and it, it's it it feels weird to me to know that I'm in the original series and have these Klingons talking about this stuff because that's not how they talked in the original series at all for the Klingons that we saw so for me that's weird yeah I'd rather them if they're going to make a book about the original series it should be those Klingons that style and how they acted you know? like they were just mustache twirling villains at that time that's all that they were Right, they were literally stand-ins for the Russians. I mean, yeah. that's what they were, and and they were, you know, very um, a lot of liberties taken with the character itself. But but that's that's who they were. They were the stand-ins. Yeah, I don't know, but but that's me and that's us, and we. I'm so excited for uh, for Star Trek to come out. You know, so many people as well. They're so frustrated with how long it's taken to come out. But that's that's production. You know, I was so excited for Westworld to come out. It was supposed to come out last January, right? But it got delayed till the fall. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, great. things happen would, all the time. Yeah, I would love to already be watching the episodes, but I'd rather them do it as right. many people said. Get it right. And I, and, I, and I don't mean make everyone look exactly how they should, but just get the stories right. Get the premise of what Star Trek is correct. I mean, it, it, even talking about the, the new movies that came out, if they had done that with instead of using Khan as a story, but if they had done the second movie and gotten it right, more people would love the new movies. Mm-hmm. If The third movie, in my opinion, Beyond, was what Star Trek's supposed to be. It was character growth. It was him, you know, a philosophical thought of him trying to be his father and then spoiler alert, not realizing he doesn't have to be his father. I don't want them to miss those points. I don't want it to be Stargate. I don't want it to be um, Dark Matter where, yeah, there's a lot of cool action and there's space battles and people running down the planets to fight. There's got to be a bigger story. And now that you have these new 13-episode seasons where it's all one right after the other, right after the other, that story needs to be much broader than it's ever been before, even more broad than it was for Enterprise's third season, which was a single season about terrorism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Right on. Well, is there anything else you want to add to this discussion here tonight, Patrick? No, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. I think we covered all the bases, you know. Optimistic. I'm optimistic about the new show. I think it's going to be the best Star Trek series ever because I like the format of television and how television is working right now. The type of stories that are being told on TV right now are wonderful. So I'm very excited for Discovery. And I hope that the aliens look different because I want them to look great. And they can do lots of things now with makeup that they couldn't do. Yeah, I'm with you. I I can't wait. I think it's going to be an amazing show. Um, I think... It's a great show, and and another thing people complained about was that they didn't like that it was going to be on the streaming network instead of on regular television. All but, I have is Netflix right now myself. I don't have cable or satellite. Right. Well, that's just it. Most people are going to that, and um, not only that, but Star Trek has always launched episodes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, networks, formats, and networks. Yeah. You know, uh, Voyager literally was just created as a launch for UPN. 
it did pretty well. It did seven seasons, you know? Yeah. So to, to think that that's a bad thing in the way our society is moving, I can't see that blowing up in their face unless people make it, unless people wish for it to fail. And I don't think that it will. I mean, look at um, look at uh, cable. I mean, nobody thought that, oh, you want me to pay for television? I can get it over the air for free back, you know, back in the 80s or yeah. whenever it was that cable first came in. You want me to pay for television? No. Yeah. Well, now you pay. I mean, that's why I don't have satellite is because I don't want to pay $100 a month for satellite, right? You know, so I've got Netflix. We don't get it on Netflix in Canada, right? So I'm, you know, I we there's Crave, which I'm going to have to pay for. It's another service that I'm going to have to pay for, right? And we don't have it on Netflix in Canada. It's available on Netflix everywhere in the world except for Canada and the U.S. And I don't care that I'm going to have to get another another uh, streaming service to watch it because you know what? I'm going to buy the freaking DVDs too when they come out. Like yeah, exactly. Well, Blu-rays, like you know, and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I will always buy it's Star Trek, you know, and I, I yeah, don't know. I've actually purposely held off getting the CBS All Access till Star Trek comes out, so that I get counted as a number for them particularly. Right. So if they're deciding, oh, did this show really do well? They're gonna look back and go, well, we only, we only had you know ten members, then we had two hundred members the 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 week it it, it premiered, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I hope other people are doing the same. Right on. Well, talking about the changes in aliens is not the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. So take a quick listen to this little clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. The ultimate fantasy was being called the ultimate fiasco, the ultimate fallacy, the ultimate F-up. And one girl on Sunday afternoon, they were. she tells a story, they were walking to dinner, and she says, oh my God, you guys, they were talking some of these you know, snarky names. She goes, no, 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 you guys, listen, listen, we've just survived the con of wrath. And they all like died laughing. Warp 5. At that time, you know, PTSD was not even a diagnosis. We had, for generations, had different terms to describe issues with soldiers, soldiers' heart, you know, combat fatigue, uh, shell shock. Melodic Treks. I have a big love in my heart. You know, like my top three episodes are Where No Man's Gone Before, Believe It or Not, The Alternative Factor, and The Lights of Zatar. I just almost passed out. <laughs> Meta Treks. For me, just as soon as Quark goes under the knife, it kind of. <laughs> it um, is not essential Trek philosophy. Something seriously that. goes wrong. <laughs> not for me, no. <laughs> And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Well, I just want to thank you very much, Patrick, for coming on for these two special episodes and offering something special to the Warp 5 listeners. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. Anything I can do to, uh, to help you out or, or help, you know, help out the listeners that, that come back episode after episode. Yeah, right on. We've got some great stuff coming up for you. I mean, the next week's episode we've already recorded. It's uh, Phyllis Strong. We have the interview with Phyllis Strong, so that'll be coming out on the 31st. Um, right now, tentatively, we've got a interview planned with Gary Graham, who played Saval, so that'll be coming up. So uh, try and find that feed in the Babel Conference if you want to add some questions to it uh, that you'd like us to ask Gary Graham. And uh, we're going to be doing a commentary on the episode... Carbon Creek. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and we're trying to see what kind of guest we can get on to do that 
uh, commentary with us, and we've got a few people in mind. So stay tuned. We've got, some, we've got lots of great stuff coming up. And, you know, spread the word. Tell everybody. I mean, even if Enterprise is not your favorite Star Trek series, I think we're doing a lot of great stuff on this podcast right now. We've got a lot of great interviews. And I think it's a, even if you're not an Enterprise fan, it's a great listen. So share it with your friends. Share it on uh, social media. And if you want to help support the network, please visit patreon.com slash trekfm. And anything you can contribute there will help us out. At the $5 a month level, you can get access to Patron Zone, which is where we have exclusive content as well as early releases. Uh, at $15 a month, you can get on the Patrons Roundtable. And at $25 a month, you can have your name listed as an associate producer. And we've got a couple of great associate producers here on Warp 5. Uh, our host, Floyd Dorsey, who's away this week because, again, he's teaching and, and he's got a busy schedule. So uh, Patrick is helping me out while Floyd is away for these two episodes. But uh, have no fear, Floyd's not going anywhere. He's back next week, and then we're back to our regular every other week uh, format, and he'll be on those um, but uh, he's the associate producer for this show as well, as, along with Mike Morrison, who's a host of Metatrex. And we've got ourselves two new associate producers. We've got Tim Cooper and Justin Ozer. I'd like to thank you guys very, very much for your support. And Patrick, you're a supporter of the network. You support Metatrex. You're, a pay- you're an associate producer over there, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, I uh, I got in uh, a little over a year ago, became an associate producer for Metatrex for uh, Mike Morrison and... Uh, Zachary Fruling and uh, I haven't looked back. It's been it's been a great experience, and patrons are, are associated producers are exploding all over the network right now, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps the network. It keeps you know guys like me able to come on and talk to people about Star Trek time to time, and it's just an awesome experience. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you and talk to you about uh, how right we are about Klingons being okay for Discovery? Well, if they want to agree with me, they can find me at Magic Drop Five on uh, Twitter. Um, or they can find me in the Babel uh, Conference. Uh, I'm pretty much there every day. And the Babel Conference is Trek FM's listeners-only group on Facebook. Just type in the search bar, look for Babel. That's B-A-B-E-L. And if you want to find Floyd, he's always on the Babel Conference as well. He's not on Twitter too often. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Matella. Uh, you can find me on the Babel Conference as well. And if you want to, coming soon, if you want to follow me on Twitter with my other account, I'm starting a Alfred Hitchcock podcast and that'll be coming very soon. You can follow us at Good Evening Pod on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook as well, Good Evening Podcast. And we're looking to have a lot of fun with that show. Uh, that's my my friend Tom and my friend Chris. So if you like Hitchcock, check it out. Well, right on, Boomers. Thank you very much for listening. And join us again next time for another episode of Warp 5. <laughs> <laughs>